Welcome to Crave the Book, episode 32. In today's episode, we cover chapters 62 through 66 of Tracy Wolf's Crush. And in this episode, Grace finally learns how to fly. Not to mention, we get a lot of emotions from Hudson and Jackson. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get started. What's up, guys? We're back with more Lou Dare's fun. Where actually, it's Yay. it's more like some flying fun, um, because Grace learns how to fly in this episode. So she's not she's not a flightless bird anymore, Amber. Now I found <laughs> All I can hear is ah! our poor listeners. Guys, oh, did it not come through? It was a beautiful rendition. <laughs> no, no, it must just be your microphone. Now I found you. Oh, God. I could go on forever. But it will be the same line over and over again because I don't know the words. <laughs> Guys, if you're listening and you have not finished Crush or Covet and maybe even a, a little bit of Court, don't know if we're going to talk much about Court this episode, but just in case, and you don't want anything spoiled for you, there is a very specific sound that you're going to want to listen out for that will indicate when the spoilers are uh, about to take place. So Amber, do you want to tell them what that sound is? Yes, the sound, as always, like every week, it goes like this. Now I've found you. <laughs> uh, it is, of course, the wolf howl. It sounds like this. And that signifies that everything that we've been speaking about previously was episodic. So it was based on the chapters that we decided to read up to today. And everything after the sound is, of course, going to be a spoiler. So if you don't want your day ruined... <laughs> Um, make sure to tap out and come back later. We're not going anywhere. We just don't want to ruin any surprises or any anything from the, the, the last few books if you haven't read them yet. Yes. All right. So let's jump right in because where we left off, Grace is, is having a bit of a panic attack because Flint's pushing her to get ready for Ludera's practice. And he's like, let's go, let's play, let's play. She's like, well, he's being, he's being really, really competitive and really boisterous, which is not the best energy to learn something. Yeah. And, and Grace is like, no, 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 you're, you're going to stop and you're going to teach me how to fly. So I know how to play this stupid game before I do anything. Otherwise I'm going to die. And Flint's like, oh, <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I'm sorry. I'm, I was just, I was feeling a little competitive with Eden, but let's figure it out. So they, they start at the bleachers and Grace falls on her ass multiple times trying to jump off the bleachers. Um, and I, I, one of my favorite parts of this is because I read this book um, before I read the Court of Thorns and Roses series. And I love the mm -hmm. difference between Grace learning how to move her wings versus Feyre learning how to move her wings. Because Grace is just like, she thinks about moving her wings and her wings flap. Feyre is just like, oh my God, they're so heavy. <laughs> <laughs> so I think with Grace, she has always been a gargoyle. That That's is true. Grace. That she has always had wings, she just hasn't used them up until now. Whereas Feyre is actually shape-shifting her wings, so they're not actually that natural. Um, and I also think that um, Sergio Mas goes a bit more, like, technically correct, where, like, it's physically a tax to fly, mm -hmm. whereas Trace is a bit more, like, magic. It's magic. Yeah. Um... But dur during the latter latter books, and this isn't a spoiler, like, for example, during court, they do fly for a very, very long time. And she does, like, have that shoulder ache because of using her wings. Meanwhile, Feyre does it for, like, an afternoon. She's like, oh, my back. Oh, I'm a dog lady. <laughs> yeah. So... Obviously, the, the jumping off the bleachers thing, just, it, it wasn't doing it. So... 
Jackson blimps um, Grace <laughs> up into the air. I put your go, Jackson. Well, there's, a, there's, a bit, there's a bit just before, and it's Grace is like stood on the edge of the bleachers, and she says a line that's so like self-depreciating, and it's like, Jackson deserves better for a mate. Aww. But more, and then she says, but more importantly, I deserve better too. And I was like, yes. Yes, you do. You deserve better than Jackson. Um, but it's all be- and, and and the reasoning for like why she believes that Jackson deserves a better mate is because she's slightly like realizing that she looks quite embarrassed. It's quite it's quite cringy to think of herself in a position where she doesn't really like know what she's doing. Kind of like, oh, you deserve so much better for a mate because I don't know how to dance. Like what? Yeah, like these things are unrelated. You you don't put you don't place your value on a, an ability to do something, especially something that is like not something you've ever learned how to do before. And not, I mean, obviously playing this game to win the bloodstone is is a high stakes thing. But having Grace play and be good at it isn't because they could have someone else play. Like they don't yep. need Grace to win. No. So it's and they, it, they're kind of riding on the idea that she's going to annihilate them all, but like haven't given her the tools so that she is able to do that. Yeah, I was gonna say, what what is that logic even based on? It's like you have an amazing IQ. Your IQ is like Mensa level IQ. You could wipe the floor with us in a game of chess. Yes, but I don't know how to play chess. Yeah, but you would still win. Like, no, I still need to know the mechanics of the game. I still know, need to know the rules. I need I need to know that my opponent also knows the rules and is, isn't going to cheat their way. Because if I don't know how to play, but they do, but they also know how to get away with it. Like, like for example, in the game that she's about to play, if she doesn't know the rules, how is she supposed to know that the other team aren't going to cheat? Yeah. How how is she supposed to know that jumping through a portal, like, has all different crazy effects on her body? Like, there are so many things that they that they leave out. Like, some of the portals hurt her, and stretch her, and make her feel all weird. There's not sounds like sex. (laughs) Stretch her and feel her. Ooh, sexy portal. Makes her feel all weird. <laughs> it makes her feel weird. So <laughs> the the grace, like, swimming through the air trying to move forward is 110% exactly, like, what I would well, look yep. like. Yeah, just... Yep. Because <laughs> eh, 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 I'm not... <laughs> move! Do something! <laughs> Scoot! <laughs> like, I've I've had situations like that where I'm, like, trying to... Like, uh, like sitting on a sled, but the ground isn't quite slick enough to get the sled to move. And you're just like, eh, 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 trying to scoop <laughs> your sled. Like, eh. Yeah. <laughs> have you ever seen somebody do a bucking bronco, but have never, ever done one before? So they think that they know exactly what it's going to be like. And then they get on, they go, that looks easy. They they can't even get onto the bucking bronco. <laughs> I'm, I'm from Ohio. Like... You go into you go into yeah. bars and they've got those stupid mechanical bulls just like over in the corner. Yeah, we had one at a party, and obviously they are not things that you get anywhere in the UK. And um, yeah. my friend Lucy, from my, my friend Lucy, was like, "Oh, I'm going to have a go," and I'm like, "Okay, that's fine." She was like, "Film it, film it, please, film it." Oh my god, I didn't realize that the first twenty seconds were her going to be like her trying to pull herself up onto this mechanical ball because she couldn't get any height on it and i was like oh this is really embarrassing and i can just imagine that like that is the kind of thing it's like if you've put yourself to do something that looks really easy from everybody else's point of view but if you've never done it you're never gonna know the exact right motion for it to work yeah i always i watch all those videos like those people are awesome videos where like people are doing like parkour and balancing on things and fire twirling and 
Yeah. And then I look at myself and I'm like, I would literally find a way to kill myself if I even attempt <laughs> to do that. It's like everybody's like, yeah, I can I can twirl fire. I can I can swallow swords. I can free dive. I can do backflips. I'm like, I can color in. You you can draw really, really nice pictures, Amber. Thank you. But it's not it's not a redeemable skill when it comes to the apocalypse. Neither sword swallowing, though, I suppose. Yeah, like parkour might be useful, but everything else I don't think is really <laughs> parkour, I think. And only only in very specific apocalyptic situations, because you're not going to parkour away from like radiation poisoning. You're not going to parkour yeah. away from, I don't know acid rain <laughs> <laughs> like me and my husband were discussing it where like he he was talking about like ukraine and and how it's like if we get called to war he would be drafted and he was like i would be a terrible front linesman and i'm like no you would be used as like a mechanic or an engineer or or a driver like they would use your skill set what the hell are they going to use me for <laughs> Draw maps, Amber. Draw maps. Like, like, go, yeah. Draw a map of a place that already exists on a map. <laughs> I am useless. I will. Even the languages I speak are subpar and not the languages we need. <laughs> Have you heard her Spanish, ladies and gentlemen? That's absolutely yeah, useful. But it's that's not in Ukraine. Not no. in Ukraine. No. So. In my, the next, the next, next point is 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 my favorite. Yeah, Grace, like, Grace. Gra oh, Grace. she's she's finally like she she learns how to do it. She like figures it out. She like starts moving forward, yeah. and she thinks that Jackson helped her, but he didn't. She did just it let her go. Yeah, let her go. Yeah, let her fly. Kicked her out of the nest. <laughs> and she's like so a happy. baby bird, <laughs> <laughs> like like a flightless bird. Yep. And then, like, the first person, so she, she she then goes, look, I'm doing it, to no one in particular. And then Jackson's like, yes, you are. And then he, and then she goes, oh, look, 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 Flint, I'm flying. And it's because he's the person that was supposed to be teaching her and failed dramatically. <laughs> but the one person that she wants to share her joy with and actually calls out by name is Hudson. Aww. and it's like oh and then they do the chase scene that we've all been like edging for since jackson failed spectacularly at taking up her her threat of a chase and she's the happiest she's ever been in the last two sodding books because she's flying with her baby boy <laughs> oh boy Our yeah. But yeah, she's having she's having an amazing time and it's either because she's with Hudson and they they're chasing and she's having fun and she's free or because she's a gargoyle and is finally who is she's supposed to be. It's like when you take a dog like into like I don't know, you take them into a big open field and you just take their leash off and let them run. Yeah. And they can finally just be a dog. Yeah. And they just that they just become this most graceful run, 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 run. Tongue out, drooling, just, oh my God, so happy. Yeah. <laughs> and that's Grace with her tongue out. So yeah. happy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Peeing up a fire hydrant. <laughs> <laughs> In the air, that's skills. <laughs> yeah. So they, they have this amazing time, like like chasing each other and then hudson kind of just poofs out of existence again yeah right um, during the happiness it's very it's yeah and grace is like missing him mm -hmm. um uh, but she can still talk to him whereas that's not happened before he's if he's disappeared she can't like reach back out for him um and they eventually go back to her dorm room and um she starts snuggling with uh with jackson again but Hudson is having none of it. Um, and they like they both Jackson and Hudson are kind of giving each other like the worst case of evils ever. That they are like both just as angry as each other. Um and then Jackson kind of like passes out. <laughs> yeah, he gets all <laughs> in, in, into a war. <laughs> he gets he gets all sleepy. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah. 
And uh, then you, then you, I like I like your bit. What? It's like give this to Hudson for me. Oh yeah, yeah. Jackson, when Jackson goes to leave, he says, "Give this to Hudson for me," and he he flips him off. And Grace says, "You just did." <laughs> and then he's like, "Okay, give him two more." And then he throws up another <laughs> another set of middle fingers. Like that was just the most teenage boy thing I think I've ever seen yeah. Jackson do. Yeah. That was, it was very authentic, but we got the give this to Hudson for me line, which I loved, but then we got an even better line from Hudson in response, which was, and the villain fades (laughs) into obscurity, never to be seen or heard from again. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. And uh, we, of course, then find out that Hudson has been draining Jackson um, of energy, and that's why he kind of faltered into the wall. my, My question was... Because Hudson got suddenly very angry, enough to kind of give the game away that that was what he was doing. Um, what was he even angry about? Because both him and Jackson were just hating on each other and being really angry, but there wasn't actually a reason. Like, was it just territorial, like, get off my land kind of thing? Or what? Um, I think... I mean, it could have been that or it could have been like we said in, I think it was two episodes ago, where you had mentioned that like when Hudson feels close to Grace, it's almost like he thinks that she's remembering and he thinks that like, oh, maybe I've got like a chance. And then she always goes back to Jackson and it just extinguishes like he he's believing what he wants to believe until Grace goes back to Jackson and starts kissing his ass again and Hudson's like little bit of hope gets snuffed out. So it might've just, he might've just like had that meltdown where like she, she figured out how to fly and she was so happy and she turned to Hudson for that, you know, that like she wanted him to be proud of her. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just trying to find the scene. (laughs) See whether anything else like comes back out. Because it's like, I notice, fear, I notice fury in his gaze before he has a chance to hide it. He's angrier than I've ever seen him. Angry and hurt. But it, it was literally because Jackson was hugging her. Like, literally. Or, or maybe they were, like, really looking forward to the day he disappears for good. Yeah. And then and then a hug. And then, and then Hudson goes super angry. Yeah, I think it's more... It's, it's not even that he's mad at Jackson or grace it's that like he's mad at the situation because they're just excited to get rid of him and even in one at the end of one of the chapters he's like i guess it would be better if i was just dead then like yeah like just he's like i would want to remove myself from the situation because clearly i'm making you both miserable yeah and and then we find out because Grace is like, well, you know, if you weren't such a bad guy, if you weren't such a villain, if you wouldn't have done this, if you wouldn't have done that. And he's just like, whoa, 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 whoa. I didn't do any of that. Like, yeah. he's yeah. like, I will claim responsibility for this, but I will not claim responsibility for trying to, like, kill the whole school. Um, and then he comes out with that Leah was not his mate. Well, that's that's after because because um, Grace kind of says that like um, quite the mate you've got there, Grace, because he thanked Grace for sending him some oh, energy yeah. over the mating bond. And then she says, oh, you know what, you've got a hell of a lot of nerve talking to me about the mating bond when you were OK with letting your mate die to bring you back. And then my favorite paragraph ever happens and it's rage explodes within me pure towering rage that threatens to melt every single part of me it's mind-numbing stroke-inducing completely catastrophic and for a brief moment all i can think about is tearing the world apart and i was like (laughs) yes daddy (laughs) um and in in that is like him just going how dare you even equate leah to being my mate yeah like that oh that crazy girl like nah mm-hmm. um and then after the anger she says all i then feel is pain and it is one of those scenes that really kind of then starts those like red not red herrings 
that foreshadowing as to what exactly Grace does mean to him and why he's being the way that he is and why he's hurting and why he doesn't want Jackson to be anywhere near her. It, she's beginning to kind of have his emotions seep through that wall that she built so that she can actually feel what he's feeling rather than the other way around. Yeah. Because so far... Hudson's been able to feel how she's been feeling, but not the other way around. And I and I don't know whether it's because of the wall or whether it's because she's just not listening to him. Um, but this is one of those scenes where he's as as truthful as he possibly can be and as transparent as he can be. And it's one of those like heartbreaking scenes where you realise like just how much he is not able to be himself. Yeah. And not not to mention like with grace getting upset you know in in this moment it it also you have to consider like what it means that hud or that hudson says that leah wasn't his mate it's almost like well then why did my parents die like did they literally die for nothing just because leah was yeah was a psychopath or was it due to hudson's influence like yeah there's a lot of like confusion and also like hudson seems to have a lot of um what's the word he has he has a lot of opinions about what it means to be a mate and yet he's just told her that he hasn't had a mate yeah so then that gives you like the like oh so he like it's almost like um Somebody saying, well, if I had a wife, then I would do this X, Y, and Z, and I would feel X, Y, and Z, and I would I would protect them, and I would do this, and I would do that, and I would do this. But your husband does none of those things for you. Right. It's kind of like almost promising what he would do for her if it was the other way around. Yeah. Like, oh, there's better... There's a better thing. Yeah, there's a better option. Like, she literally said not, like, three paragraphs ago where she said that Jackson deserves better and she deserves better. She's, he's staring you in the face, Grace. <laughs> Look a bit harder. So during this entire interaction, Macy has been there with her headphones on, um, on her bed <laughs> reading, but she takes her headphones off real quick and she's like, so did you have fun? And Grace is like, yeah, so much fun. But then Macy's like, so what did you think about Xavier? And I love how Grace is just like, Xavier who? And Macy's like, you know, Xavier, yeah. the guy. Yeah. Grace is like, no, doesn't Xavier? ring a bell. Doesn't ring a bell. Never heard of it. I love that Hudson's just in on the whole thing. And he just has to start like snort laughing, just knowing what she's doing to Macy deliberately. Yeah. Um. And then he kind of just reads the room knowing that she needs girl talk and just kind of taps out and starts reading again. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> he's like, not only should I not be part of this conversation, you don't want me to be part of this conversation and I don't want to be part of this conversation. Like, have you ever started girl talk when your husband's in the same room and he's just like, ugh. Yeah, the whole time that you were here and we talked about this book series. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then... um. So Grace brings up that, you know, that Hudson, I, I can't remember what interaction specifically did she bring up from the Ludier's field where, where Macy was like, oh, you mean Jackson? Jackson said that. I can't remember what it was. Was it about Xavier? Was it? I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. It should be right at the end. Oh, um, Hudson asked several times if we were sure that he was a, a wolf okay. and not a peacock about Xavier. Um, and then, yeah, Macy's like, oh, you mean Jackson? And she's like, well, Jackson said all those things, right? Not Hudson. She's like, no, it was definitely Hudson, not Jackson, who was paying attention to what was happening between you two. And he was the one who made all the comments. Oh, she gives me a weird look. I didn't realize you and Hudson. What? she? I ask when she trails off looking awkward. She clears her throat the way that she always does when she's nervous and then says, I guess I just didn't realize that you and Hudson had gotten so close. Yeah. See, but Macy, Macy's, Macy she's senses it before anybody else. Yeah. And it's because it's like <clears throat> the one person who's actually paying attention to everybody and it's because he's got nothing else to do. <laughs> At the same time, like, I, it, 
it kind it, I would be ticked off by Macy. Yeah, like, also, that, that that doesn't sound like a an, a close intimate um, conversation that her and Hudson had. It was just like kind of gossip, right? Yeah, it, it's yeah. almost like about, Macy's, about a newcomer as well. Yeah, it's almost like Macy saying like, "Oh, you shouldn't." You shouldn't be talking to Hudson at all. Like, mm. I didn't realize you guys were so close. It, it it came off like, like if, I don't know. The thing is, though, Grace has been telling everybody since day one when Hudson was in her head just how in her head he was. And no one's listening. Yeah, even... Every, everybody. Everybody's like, oh, you're, I didn't realize that you were so close. I didn't realize that you were sharing intimate secrets about each other. I didn't realize that you were you were sharing your, like, thoughts and emotions and, and how you're, like, anxious about something and nervous about something or angry about something. I didn't know that he knew. And it's like, he's in my head. Even if it wasn't a, a sexual relationship or a, a romantic relationship, even if it wasn't those things and you still hated each other... The fact that he has access to all of that information and all of those emotions, no one seems to be interested. Yeah, and even even when they first got down to the Luders field for practice, after Jackson made an ass hat of him of himself, um, where he was like, "Oh my God, Hudson taught you how to fly or how to yeah. how to shift." Um, even after that, Jackson was still like not understanding and he's like so wait he hears all your thoughts like how long yeah. is it's been like a week now and you're just yep, now and asking like, he he was angry that about uh, like uh two episodes ago he was angry about the fact that he hadn't even thought about grace getting into the shower or going to the toilet or getting dressed and it's like she has literally told you he is there in her head watching her every move. How have you not put two and two together and made a, a connection of like, oh, wow, they are literally like handcuffed to each other, not being able to escape each other's company. And you think that suddenly she's going to be able to have private moments without him? Yeah. And he seems to, in instead of being like a, like concerned, like, and are you okay with this arrangement, Grace? Because at some point, he could have put a barrier of protection against it. Um, he could have said, like, if you need somebody to be there whilst you shower to keep Hudson, like, not looking at you, and I, I can turn my back so that you can, like, have a barrier. Like, I don't know. Like, he could have he could have offered anything except the jealous boyfriend of, like, oh, I didn't even think about you in the shower. It's like, eh, dude, you don't think about her full stop. This is, um, it's a very, and I don't know if Tracy intended it, probably not. It's probably just me looking way farther into things um, than is necessary, but it's very, like, I don't know. It, it reminds me of, like, when you have, like, a mental illness that no one can see or, or just any illness that no one else can see where just because yeah. you can't see it, just because it doesn't affect, you know, all of you, it doesn't mean that it's not happening to me always, all the time, 24-7, like, you know, like living with anxiety. Like, yeah, it sure would be nice to not always feel like this all the time. But just because you can't see it doesn't mean that I don't still feel like crap. And it doesn't mean that I haven't already coming up with coping mechanisms for it. Like, right. Because people are like, oh, I didn't even think about that. And it's like, well, I had to. I had to put myself into a position where I had to think of a solution for us because no one else was going to be my, my advocate. No one else was going to stand up for me and say, oh, this makes Amber feel uncomfortable. So therefore, is there any way of us going around this? They just kind of forget because it's not their life. It's not in their head. So therefore, you kind of just have to push through or come up with a coping mechanism for that thing. And people go like, oh, I didn't realize it was such a big deal. And it's like, well, it's already happened. I can't go back now and say, I wish I didn't have to do that thing. I just did it. Yeah. You have to yeah. kind of build it. Like, you have to build that resiliency, which is unfortunate. Which and that's why it's important to always have like the the safe people, like the safe people who who know how to treat you because mm -hmm. they respect, you know, and, and that's yeah. that's one of the issues in this case with Grace is that 
no one respects this thing that only she is experiencing other than Hudson, who is the thing that she's experiencing. It would be like if yeah. you were best friends with your anxiety. Like, yeah. And there is a point, and this is, there's no, I hope there's no spoilers, unless we want to go into spoilers. Let's, let's do it, because I think we're done with this section anyway. Okay, so. Okay. <laughs> so the the bit in um, both, both Crush and Cover, where Hudson is actually out of Grace's mind, and now they no longer are like living on top of each other. I feel like there's a moment of mourning for Grace, a moment of grieving where the one person who knew everything about her was then no longer in her head. Yeah. And she had to then go through a a process of adjustment where she not only had to grieve the loss of her mate, but also had to be mated to Hudson, but in a manner that she'd never had a relationship with him before. Um, so she was like, okay, we're suddenly mates now, but you're also not in my head anymore. And that made her have to actually communicate with him. Because if they were mated and they were still in each other's head and they could still, like, kind of like De Marti in yeah. um, Core Thorns, like, if they were able to read each other's thoughts, it would have been so much more simpler for her to admit that she still had feelings for him. And that for him to admit that he had feelings for her because they would have been able to read on each other. But instead, they had to form a relationship like everybody else who can't read minds. And... There is a point where she realizes like just how difficult it is to communicate when you have anxiety to somebody else saying how you feel when you can't form words where she's already had somebody living in her head knowing exactly how she's feeling without her saying anything. And um, I feel like that a, a lot when my husband's noticing things about me that he's like, why are you doing it this way? And I'm like, I can't form the words. I cannot give you an explanation as to why I'm doing the things I'm doing or the, the manner I'm doing them in. But I wish that you could live in my head for a day. So you know why. Yeah. Or at least don't question it because there are certain things that I don't know why I do the way that I do. And then one day I'll have an epiphany and it'll be like, oh, that's the reason why I'd leave so many glasses of water untouched. Didn't know that. And it's because I can't drink out of vessels that I can't see entirely through. Sounds stupid. But if you give me a thermos flask, you know, like a like a a metal, a metal container of water, if I can't see through it, I don't know that the water or the thing inside of it is moldy or it's not been cleaned properly. And it's because as a child, was not cleaned properly. And I had many, many times where I didn't drink what I thought I was drinking. You you learn these things, but you then don't know why you've done them because it happened too long ago for you to actually come up with a, an explanation for it. And it's normal and to it's you just, until someone brings it up and like yeah. tells you and, it's and not. You, and you almost get... <coughs> sorry. You almost get defensive as well when somebody starts questioning why you're doing the thing that you're doing. You're like, I don't know why. I just know I need to. Yeah. Like the way I'm doing it isn't hurting anybody. Like I can't. Yeah. I, I, I can't put my face like if I'm taking a shower, I can't get water on my face. I can use like a wash rag and get the wash rag wet and, and mm -hmm. wash my face. But I can't just stand under running water and get it on my face. Um. And I've been like that. I had a, a cousin who drowned when I was really, really young. And he drowned like in a lake and they didn't find him until days later. And when they found him, there was like nothing left of him because the fish yeah. had eaten him. But like that, nice. just being a little kid and like being told that, like I was traumatized. But ever since yeah. then, I don't, I, I, it's like claustrophobia. I feel like I'm suffocating if I have water on my yeah. face. So. Yep. Not There's a lot of things, like a lot of silly things, like I can't wear t-shirts or chokers or anything that is very close to my throat, and I have no idea why. I I just can't, and um and people's like, oh, but like, why not? Do you what? Do you want to? Do you want me to like to buy you a choker so that you can like train yourself to like, enjoy no. it? And I'm like, why? Why? Why do I need to enjoy things close to my neck? I am absolutely fine 
the way that I am. Sometimes shopping for t-shirts is a little bit hard because I have to make sure they're like v-neck or like scoop neck or whatever, but it's not, it's not impacting my life enough for me to deal with it or go through the trauma therapy to work out why or what's wrong yeah it's just a thing it's just a personality quirk well, if it's of mine. for me if it's fear that has a source where i know why i don't even if it's a silly reason i will usually be okay keeping that fear but if it's an irrational fear like for example my husband was in the military he was in he was a marksman and um you know he likes to go shooting and I was afraid to shoot a gun. Like, I didn't want to go to the range and shoot a gun because I was afraid of guns. But then I'm like, I've never had a bad experience with a gun. Like, we're in a controlled environment. My husband is a marksman. He's trained in firearms. I am in the safest possible place to learn how to use one. Like, am, am I just afraid because it's a loud noise? Like, and, and mm. I forced myself to do it. And now, you know, it's something that it's like it's something fun to do. Like, you go to the range and you shoot shoot guns. Um I did the same thing with public speaking where I'm like, well, everybody's a little bit afraid of public speaking, but if I just get out there and do it, like everybody says it gets easier and there's nothing, it can't hurt me. It's not, I've never done it before. It's not based on any actual fear that is deeply rooted in my psychology. And yeah, I, I the first time I did it, it was horrifying, but it got easier and the biggest event that yeah. I've done was in front of like 1,200 people. And it was, <laughs> I mean, it was scary, but it wasn't as scary as, it, it sounds scarier saying the words, I, you know, that you have to stand in front of 1,200 people than actually standing in front of 1,200 people was. Yeah. I have so. a um, an issue with driving, as you know. Um, and uh, it's only recently where I've discovered the reason for me not wanting to... So I drive myself and I am okay. My issue is parking. So if I cannot park anywhere, then I have an issue. Um, but if I'm driving somebody else, if I am like chauffeuring somebody else, I immediately feel uncomfortable. And it's because I have never been held responsible or entrusted with the care and safety of another human being. And I feel wholly uncomfortable with it. But if it's someone who is younger than me or cannot drive, I immediately am 100% fine with driving. But if that person is a better driver than me or has been driving longer than me or just can genuinely just drive, I would rather they drive me because I immediately feel safer knowing that the person who is more equipped to drive is the one in control. Yeah. I'm explaining that to my husband boggled his mind. He was like, I don't understand. I don't understand why you don't want to just drive. And I was like, I don't like being made to be the person that is responsible in a situation where I know that I am the person that knows the least. Yeah. It's so dumb. But at the same time, I feel so justified in the valid like logic of it that I'm like, well, I know that if you drive me, even drunk, you would be a better driver than me. So why would I put myself in at undue risk when I also know that I have to be careful that you don't die too? <laughs> yeah. Like, I think that I would be fine if you got in to my car because driving on the other side of the road, you would be slightly I at a disadvantage. Yeah, so I therefore wouldn't be my brain would be a Whereas my, my brain would be like, oh, the logic of this means I am probably the safer choice. Yeah. But, like, yeah, if, if you go like, look, we're on a private road in America, like, this is fine. Like, you can get into the... I would absolutely no. Immediately, <laughs> immediately, poo would be threatening to come out of my bum. <laughs> it would be, it's like, the most terror-inducing moment. And it, like, it happens no matter what. If somebody goes like, oh, do you want to drive? Immediately, my bowels go, nope. <laughs> I'm the opposite. I'll I will drive anything. If somebody's like, hey, will you drive... I mean, I, if, I, if there's a better option, I will choose a better option but if someone was like hey will you drive this u-haul i'd be like yeah sure <laughs> i wish i could i wish i could it feels like such a handicap if it, it feels like such a a silly thing for me to know like i have passed my test i know exactly how to drive i've never had a moment where i have crashed because of my fault um 
except when I've parked. All of my accidents have happened when I am driving like two miles an hour or slower or I'm stationary. I'm not really sure how that works, but all of my accidents have been when I've been parked. Um, and yet I still can't go over the fear that I am an inadequate driver and that somebody else would be better than me. Yeah. But anyway, so having someone in my head knowing exactly the reasons why I'm doing the things that I'm doing and that it is okay for me to be doing the things that I'm doing despite it not making logical sense would be amazing, especially if they were my partner because explaining them to my husband is very difficult because you, you lose all sense of words and you sound crazy when you say them because you're like clearly not making any sense. Yeah, because they make sense in your head but maybe not in anybody else's. Yeah, and they tend to come up with solutions as well. Right. They're like, well, have you tried... Th like, go away. I don't want a solution. I just want somebody to understand that I don't do this for a very valid reason in my head. <laughs> well, yeah, men are men are wired to be problem solvers. They, It's it's one of the like deepest parts of our reptilian brain. Men are, are wired to take problems and and fix those problems, whereas the, the female brain is more wired to cope with problems because we're nurturers. So we try to nurture our own problems. And sometimes we expect others, you know, our partners to nurture us when we have a problem rather than trying to solve it. But it, that's where a lot of headbutting comes in. So it's usually best to just <laughs> tell your partner. I need you to listen. I need you to listen. Yeah. Not I'm not looking solved. for a solution right now. I'm just looking for an ear. And I'll say that to my husband. I'll say, <laughs> I'm not looking for a solution. I just need an ear. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Marco Polo, you and a guy. I just need a moan. Yeah. I need to I need to offload. I need to vent everything that's happened to me right now because I know the moment that I've got rid of it all, I will come up with a solution myself. Yeah. And one that will make sense for my own way of thinking as well. Because sometimes coming up with a very logical solution doesn't always negate something that is an illogical process. Yeah. That was deep. <laughs> so, in the spoiler section, you have a theory and then I have a theory. So. Yes. But you didn't, I put my theory in the notes and you just said my That's theory. Because I, I couldn't come up with the words to be able to write it down. <laughs> All right, what's what's I'm your theory? <laughs> so my my theory kind of stems off of uh, not last episode, the episode before, where Grace and Hudson were having the very heated moment, and then all of a sudden Hudson just poofs and disappears. I think that this was a similar vein where either the very happy feelings that he was having when he was chasing her and having fun and reminiscing as to what might have happened whilst they were in their gargoyle and having fun with each other either made him so happy that he couldn't contain himself and he had to just take himself out of the equation to stop himself from saying something or doing something that he was going to regret like he said that he would he said um <clears throat> like if you keep if you keep pushing i'm going to do something that i'm going to regret I think he doesn't he doesn't necessarily mean that in a negative thing is that if you keep giving me reasons to remember that we were in love I'm going to do something I'm going to regret um and it would look really embarrassing if like he went in for a kiss or something and nobody knew that he was there it would have been really weird um or have you ever had a happy thing happen and you are not allowed to feel happy so therefore you feel immensely sad yeah i think that that was more the case that he was exhilarated and having fun and then just suddenly had that crushing like i'm not allowed to take this further and despite me loving her and and knowing that she's supposed to be my mate uh she's not mine and I can't have this moment with her. And I think he took him, himself out of the situation. And that's why he was able to communicate with her still. Was that because he was he was almost like um, hiding himself in a toilet cubicle. Like, it's a, it, I'm fine. I'm fine. It's it, like, I'm just, I'm just drained or, or whatever. Like, he was hiding because he was trying to hide the emotions that he was feeling. And they weren't necessarily a... Um, an arousal <laughs> it might it genuinely might have been a i need to 
I need to take myself out of this situation before I do something I regret or I'm not allowed to be this happy with her. Yeah. And that's what I, that's what I thought in the scene where he says, um, don't thank me or I might do something that that I'll regret or that you'll regret. And I I did think that it was that he was, he wanted to kiss her, but she would, and he Mm -hmm. would know that she wouldn't respond well to it, but he wouldn't be able to stop himself from doing it. So he. Yeah. Acting on his emotions. And also she was happy. Like she probably looked very much like what they were doing in the gargoyle where she was a gargoyle. She was having fun. She was doing somersaults around his lair and it probably reminded him of their time together and he had to just take himself out of the situation and just go, I, I can't, I can't feel this right now. Yeah. Which is immensely sad. Poor little Hudders. So other, my, my theory when, when Hudson is draining energy from Jackson, he says that he's, hooked up to the mating bond like he doesn't know why Mm -hmm. but it looks like he's hooked directly to jackson and grace's mating bond which is why he's able to drain jackson for energy but i'm wondering if maybe this is why right after grace's and jackson's mating bond broke that they almost like rebounded together that her and hudson like immediately snapped into place because he was already there hooked up to her mating bond yes i can see that theory kind of working out like because she's already it's already like hooked to the most you know deeply rooted emotions that she has it's just yeah did the old switcheroo with the brothers (laughs) see i i have a theory that like he was waiting in the wings because he couldn't physically touch her this entire time. If, if Grace and Hudson were trapped it realistically together, not in a gargoyle that they could physically touch each other. And it wasn't just like a dream sequence or whatever. I think that the mating bond would have broken and that they would have mated, but because they couldn't, I feel like, his his mating bond was just kind of pending and the moment that it broke or when he came back and that was what he was attached to and i think it was because that was where he was supposed to be yeah kind of thing it's like pulling a piece know. a tiny piece of paper out from between two magnets like the second you pull that paper away those magnets are just going to yeah stick together and jackson is the piece of paper in this analogy because yes. it's rubbish yeah, because he's thin. He's a piece of he's, waste paper. He's thin and white and has no substance. <laughs> and can be just crunched into a ball and thrown into a bin. <laughs> We're so mean. <laughs> Jackson, he's, um, I need him to redeem himself in Cherish. I need, I, I need... think he will. I think that he was redeeming himself towards the end of court. Yeah, I got mad at him during the trials with him and Grace, like, trying to figure out the trials together. Oh, yeah, because they they couldn't function together anymore. No. They didn't know know how to be with each other without it being a romantic reason. Yeah. It was like back... Which I totally get. It was back to the chessboard scene from the first book where it was just tense and... Yeah. The thing is, though, that happens when you have a relationship with someone and then you go back to being platonic. Yeah. It's a very difficult um, settle to make happen. And especially if you're dating their brother instead. Um, Yeah. That's very awkward. Um, Like, I can imagine that he kind of feels like a consolation prize. That, like, you chose my brother over me twice. And now you still want to be friends? Yeah. Like I would I would feel like she she was only doing out of the goodness of her heart rather than because he was actually friendship material, which he wasn't to be honest during cover. He was an absolute wet lettuce. Yeah. Admittedly he had no soul. He but, wasn't he was in court ugh. too. <laughs> but then Grace and Hudson were insufferable 
during court. That is I true. I wanted to yeet them out of that lighthouse window so hard. They, no. But then I remember being a teenager and trying to get some wherever I could, even if it was an inappropriate moment. Even if you had to blow up a lighthouse and then buy mm. it. <laughs> but then at the same time, you're like, your best friend and cousin has disappeared, but you're still making goo-goo eyes at each other. And come on. Come, come on. <laughs> Priorities. But it's just the baiting bond. <laughs> <laughs> Shut the hell up, Grace. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I think that's it. And that's perfect because we've actually recorded two episodes today and I'm starting to... Uh, to lose my voice but guys thanks so much for listening this week's episode of our asmr was um grace in the art room so make sure that you go to crave the book podcast on youtube and subscribe because that's the only place that you can listen to our sunday asmrs this week we're going to be posting the asmr on saturday night at 6 p.m eastern because that's going to be our easter asmr it is a spring walk around catmere academy i did a lot of fun little spring sounds and it's a it's a cool like I don't know, you can turn it on like a Yule log on your TV for your Easter festivities and it might be fun to stick, if you've got like a baby, to stick your baby in front of it to watch. My dog loves the <laughs> ASMRs with all the Does sounds. She? Yeah, all the chirping and the Aww. sounds. The uh, Running with Xavier one, Amy really likes Running with Xavier because it's all wolves and sniffing noises and... Uh, I I desensitized my dog too much to care about noises. Um, Yeah. It it means that, you know, those like, those videos that's like, make these noises to make your dog head tilt. Yeah. It doesn't work. (laughs) But if I go like American animals, because they they tend to be like actual animals that make cool noises rather than like, this is a squirrel. This is a badger. This is a fox. Um, like there's like American Eagle and Chipmunk and the Skunk and things like that. And if I play the video on YouTube on my phone and then put it underneath my duvet, he does the little like fox butt wiggle and then pounce onto <laughs> the phone. Um, um, but I like I can't ever record it because I'm already using my phone. Um, but it's the best game ever. And I go, do you want to play noises? And he like puts his feet up onto the bed like, yes, I want to play noises. Amy doesn't. Um, Amy he, doesn't play. She just stare, looks around the room, like, "Where is it coming from?" <laughs> <laughs> she like she doesn't have like directional senses where she can tell it's coming from the TV. She's just looking all around the house, like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> so she might not like it. Like I'm interpreting it as, "Oh, she loves it," but she might be horrified. <laughs> Bless Amy. All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening. Um, Make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel if you want to hear our Sunday ASMRs. And we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.